listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. And Jackson, this last game, Fresno State heads to Wyoming, um, only to be met with a formidable defense uh, holding Jake Jake Hayner uh, under 100 yards passing. Was that expected? I mean, we, we all knew that uh, Wyoming had a tough pass defense, but to the extent to keep them under 100 yards. What's your thoughts on that, Jackson? Yeah, and the Bulldogs, you know, they went into that game. They they wanted to establish the run themselves, and they also knew they'd probably have a better chance moving the ball on the ground if they were successful with their own uh, run establishment. So there was anticipated that Hayner wasn't going to have the numbers he normally has, but under 100 yards, that was uh, <laughs> beyond anything I, I could have expected. And, um, you know, the Bulldogs really didn't need much more than that at the end of the day. Um, Cropper dropped a couple of passes uncharacteristically, but other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of you know, missed opportunities in the passing game. They were still fairly efficient in the, the passes they did throw. It wasn't a lot, a lot less than Hayner usually throws. So um, a mixture of uh, trying to run uh, Wyoming's fast defense and just kind of the flow of the game where Fresno State but it didn't take them too long to get that two-score lead and the way that the Bulldogs' defense was playing. Uh, they really didn't have to be too aggressive to just sit on that lead. And um, just the biggest thing was not turning the ball over, uh, and they didn't. So that set them up for a 17-0 win. And uh, fortunately, the Bulldogs' defense also gave them a bunch of those turnovers to get some easy scores that uh, they could have gotten whether they passed the ball or not, really. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, with what the Bulldogs were able to do, now they've got two shutouts so far this season, uh, which I can't remember the last time the Bulldogs had two shutouts in one season um, for, for forever. I can't remember the last time they did that. Uh, but the Bulldogs uh, kept from turning the ball over. However, they, they were successful on getting Wyoming to turn over the ball. Um, I mean, what kind of success... Can you attribute that for the Bulldogs? What was what was the key in in getting them to to win the turnover battle and essentially put them in great scoring position? Because all most of their points were scored off of uh, off of turnovers. What what do you see was the the cause and, and the leading factor of this, Jackson? Yeah, it was so funny because I talked with uh, safety Evan Williams during the week about the fact that the Bulldogs had. Uh, just one interception all season long up until this game, and that uh, the defensive secondary had uh, combined for zero interceptions. It was uh, the one interception was from linebacker Lavelle Bailey uh, leading up to this game, and really the answer he gave was you know one that was a frustration uh, that they hadn't been able to do it really to this point of the year, but also that it's something you can't really force. You just kind of have to be in the right place at the right time and. The Bulldogs are oftentimes designed to, to be in that position, but you know, you, sometimes the ball just has to kind of bounce your way a little bit. And that very first pick that the Bulldogs got was a deflection that went right to none other than Evan Williams. So it kind of went exactly the way he was describing it earlier in the week. And then uh, another pick, the one that Malachi Langley got, was tipped. And 
Um, you know, it's just one of those games where the Bulldogs were in the right place at the right time where the ball got to him in a way that it hadn't at all up until that point in the year. Uh, the one thing that they were really able to force was Aaron Mosby got another forced fumble, and that's something that hasn't been surprising or hasn't been luck or chance or anything. That's just pure pass rush and getting to the quarterback or the ball carrier and knocking it out. Um, but, yeah, those interceptions, a couple of them were kind of just right place, right time. A couple of them were um, forcing Sean Chambers into some uncomfortable plays where he tried to force some things, a little bit like we saw with Hayner in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. So that is, a, you know, you can kind of try your best to force those situations, but it's up to the quarterback to throw them ultimately, and Fresno State took advantage uh, in this one. And ultimately we saw Chambers um, he get yanked out of that game and forced to the bench. So it was a, a very effective performance by Fresno State, even if sometimes uh, just uh, it's things that are just hard to really <laughs> create or replicate. Um, but uh, on that particular day, they sure did it. Now, they were able to to really uh, hinder uh, Sean Chambers of Wyoming, who uh, is an, a, a local native here of uh, of the Central Valley. Uh, but they were able to kind of shut him down and 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 force him to throw three turn uh, three interceptions and basically kept him to about 100 yards passing as well. You know, is that was some sort of a victory for the Bulldogs and and able to kind of shut down the the passing game and uh and force those turnovers which like you said hasn't really been a big part of Fresno State's uh defense this year as far as getting a number of turnovers and winning the turnover battle um but it, it works in in their favor this so uh, if if you if if you're tuning into our podcast, Jackson is on his way to other press conferences. So uh, we we we're doing what we can to make sure we still deliver a podcast to you. So right, Jackson, you, you're you're going to be a man on a mission today. <laughs> yeah, we've got football practice. We got Lorenzo Neal's on Zoom today. We've got uh, men's basketball media days. Uh, podcasts, of course, and uh, so we're all over the place today. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with I'm us. in a parking lot right here, so I can get to everything uh, from via Zoom and by foot, all within the same amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bear with us. We're we're doing we're, we're we're doing this one by our hip today, but we're trying to make sure we still get the the podcast out to you. And now, as far as back to this game. Uh, Fresno State's defense did what they needed to do. However, the offense looked like they were the ones struggling this week. But they 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 did manage to kind of get the run game going. Uh, Jordan Mims ending the game with seventy eight yards rushing. Ronnie Rivers with seventy three. So a total of you know over about over one hundred and fifty yards. Um, you know, is that the is that going in the right direction for the Bulldogs as far as the run game is concerned? Yeah, it certainly is, and I think one of the biggest things is um, you know, not just for themselves, but for opposing defenses that are, are game planning. Uh, up until this point, Fresno State has really, almost every game, just been very pass-heavy, and uh, opposing defenses have started to adjust for that and prepare a pass-heavy defensive game plan, and I, I think that was something Hawaii did that caused a little bit of issues for the team, um, but this was a game where now if defenses watch the film, they know Fresno State can really just put a bunch of tight ends out there and run power offense and be fairly uh, effective at it as well. 
the ultimate goal is for Fresno State to be balanced and really keep defenses on their toes every play. And I think this is going to go a long way in doing that. But just the, the pure you know, physical running smash mouth that they did is going to help create some more passing opportunities, I think, in the weeks to come if they can you know, keep sprinkling that into the game plan week after week. And uh, definitely an impressive performance by Jordan Mims, um, something uh, he touched the ball and was in the game more than we've seen since his injury back in 2018. Uh, so that was very encouraging. And uh, Ronnie Rivers didn't put up huge numbers, but it was uh, pretty consistent with the ball in his hands. And they got him some wildcat snaps and all that. So yeah, they definitely showed uh, a lot of different ways that could impact the running game. And uh, the O-line uh, came up in a big way with that game plan. Now, with uh, Jake Hayner coming into this game, he was he was uh, pretty much in uh, third in um, passing yards this season uh, amongst all quarterbacks in the in college football. Th- to d- this last game is definitely going to hurt that average, right, Jackson? <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna drop him down that list, so to speak. Um, can we think to see a kind of a bounce back game this upcoming week, or uh, you know, some have mentioned he's been pretty banged up. Did that contribute to to how he played this past game? Uh, you know, it seemed like he was pretty close. Uh, the coaching staff hasn't seemed to have thought it, it impacted his game. Uh, I know it had the Bulldogs played the week prior, it could have been a close call. But fortunately, the Bulldogs had that bye week. Um, when when you do look at the stats, uh, he has <laughs> did drop his numbers, but not as much as you would maybe anticipate. I think. Nevada quarterback Carson Strong's number five and Hayner's number six right behind them and uh, passing yards per game nationally. So <laughs> he's still very much up there. Uh, it did take a little bit of a hit. But yeah, this is a game where if Nevada gets going, the Bulldogs are going to need to be able to pass the ball because the Wolfpack are used to you know, putting up huge numbers in the passing game, um, putting up a lot of points. And I uh, anticipate it's going to be tougher against Fresno State's defense than it has been in most of their games. But um, it is something that Fresno State may need to answer, you know, score for score, if um, if that's the case. And Bulldogs, their best way of doing that is with Hainer throwing the ball to all his receivers. And so I anticipate we'll probably see a lot more with the passing game this week. But ultimately, Fresno State's going to try to keep some of that balance. Um, I think the final split was around 42 runs, 28 passes last week. And that was mostly just because the Bulldogs had that lead late. And it started to really go run heavy towards the end. I would look for them to try to be a little closer to 50-50 in this game. And then if uh, if the Bulldogs really need or it gets into one of those up-tempo games, then the passing game might really get unleashed the way it had against you know, UCLA and UNLV and some of those games. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and hopefully uh, things this week change uh and and the bulldogs get that offense rolling on on the passing game because it's it's way way more fun to watch the bulldogs when that ball is being thrown around uh, a lot and right now this last game uh was kind of hard to watch (laughs) jackson (laughs) uh not being able to see the bulldogs get the yardage they're they're accustomed to this season really made it uh very very difficult for the bulldogs but now uh, they they're coming back home and they're going to be facing Nevada. So Nevada is going to be another test for the Bulldogs because right now Nevada is playing really well as well. 
is this going to be one of those uh, slugum fest type of games, Jackson, where Fresno State and Nevada just trade blows all se- all game long? Yeah, I mean that's really what I'm anticipating, and it'll probably be more physical than um, just kind of when you look at the the box scores and the stat sheets, and you see how much these two teams have passed the ball this year, but. Um, you know, Nevada as well, they've got a running game that doesn't put up a lot of stats weekly, but uh, their running back, uh, Tautua, I mean, he's a guy that, um, I mean, he's physical. And they run in the shotgun, and, um, you know, he gets about four or five yards worth of steam before you have to tackle him, and it becomes a difficult thing to do. Fresno State just showed last week that uh, they can certainly run the ball physically if they want, and um, both of these teams have defenses that are uh, pretty aggressive. They're both among the best in the nation when it comes to creating sacks, and uh, both teams have been struggling a little bit on the O-line, so uh, there's going to be opportunities for um, big plays on both sides of the ball, and both teams have a ton of talent at quarterback and receiver. They're going to be tough for their opposing defenses to stop through the air. uh, It just seems like a lot of the strengths are similar, a lot of the weaknesses are similar, and um, probably going to come down to those handful of big plays to see who takes it ultimately. Yeah, it's going to be uh should be a fun one to to watch here in the stadium and now with the air quality and the temperature change a much more comfortable game to watch, right Jackson cuz <laughs> cuz things sure have cleared up uh making this a, a lot more uh well fun more fun to be in the, at the stadium when you can actually breathe and not die of heat, right? <laughs> yeah, as long as that uh, rain stays uh, i think it's forecasted for sunday and monday as long as it stays away from saturday yeah it'll be a really nice day i think the high right now is 70 it'll be probably 60s and sunny for most of the game with the four o'clock kickoff and get a little chilly after the sun goes down so yeah it's going to be a pretty ideal setting for this one yeah hopefully yeah like like you said that rain will will stay away um however the the local newscast is is a little concerned that that storm may come in a little sooner so um, everyone keep an eye on that make sure you bring an umbrella or a poncho just in case it it rears its ugly head during the game there um but it should be way more comfortable to to actually be at the stadium to watch this game now matchup wise jackson Let's go ahead and start breaking this one down. You've got Nevada's offense versus Fresno State's defense, who is able to keep Wyoming scoreless. How do you see these two matching up when uh, Nevada comes to town uh, trying to do what they do on offense? Yeah, I mean, you you look at their lineup, and it's pretty similar to Fresno State. I mean, you've got this quarterback in Carson Strong, who is going to look physically very different than Jay Kaner. He's a six foot four, a two hundred and fifteen pound guy that's just kind of the prototypical NFL prospect and that's exactly where he is in the discussions right now. They're talking about him he's a junior right now, but they're talking about him being a potential first round draft pick right now. And he likes to swing the ball around. He's got almost two thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns, only three picks this season. So and he's a guy that'll let it rip from the pocket and he'll get it out quick and he's got a ton of receivers to throw to, just like Fresno State has. They've got um, seven different receivers that have over 10 catches this season. Uh, they had three receivers on the Blitnikoff Award watch list. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Nevada, uh, Elijah Cook, one of them, has suffered a season ending injury. 
Fresno State didn't see him last year either due to injury, so that's one of the targets that are gone. But a six foot six tight end, Cole Turner, is basically just a, a giant receiver that's going to be uh, very difficult for the Bulldogs to stop. Uh, Romeo Dubs is a receiver, senior, that's just been uh, terrific for them. He was a 1,000 yard receiver last year in just nine games in the shortened season. Uh, they've got a series of other guys. Corey Horton, the local sophomore from Washington Union, had a huge game against the Bulldogs last year. Five catches, uh, about 200 yards and three touchdowns, a bunch of big plays. And uh, Melquan Stovall is another guy that Fresno State recruited that's over there. Um, they've got just a lot of weapons, and they're going to let it fly. And they've got a, a running game that's kind of similar to when Derek Carr in that 2013 offense was here. You had guys like uh, Waller and uh, Kazada who were just really strong, uh, fast enough backs that would take it out of the shotgun and just keep defenses off balance a little bit. So they they definitely have that element to their game as well. But the big issue for them, and again, much like Fresno State, is their pass blocking. Uh, Strong's been sacked 11 times over the last four games. And um, you know, Fresno State has a uh, very effective pass rush, as we know, a lot of talent at defensive end and um, that's definitely going to be in play here if the Bulldogs can create some havoc in the backfield. Uh, kind of like what we've seen <laughs> with Fresno State all season long, the Bulldogs will put up some big passing numbers, and then you'll see some instances where Hainer's just running around, dodging defenders in the backfield. Uh, Strong doesn't quite have those legs, but um, it's going to be a, kind of a similar hindrance for them with their offense as well. And uh, really, for the Bulldogs' defense, it comes down to the, the pass coverage. Um, you know, against them last year, the Bulldogs were uh, pretty close to full strength personnel-wise. Where in the secondary, um, there were a lot of places where they weren't close to full personnel. They were missing like a whole special teams unit when the two teams played last year, and that was pretty much the difference in the game. But Nevada did have more success in the air than any other opponent did last year, and anticipate they'll probably be able to have some success again this year but the Bulldogs do have Evan Williams playing at a much higher level they have UCLA transfer Elijah Gates at safety they have cornerback transfer Deron Bland who has uh, really stepped in as the starter there so there's some new faces that uh, give the Bulldogs a little bit of a, a glimmer there that it'll be a, a better pass defensive day against the Wolfpack than last year. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a very competitive game uh, in that aspect. But uh, on the flip side of things, uh, you've got Fresno State's offense versus Nevada's defense. And how do you see this one shaking down? Now, you the Fresno State struggled a little bit uh, last week uh, as far as passing game was concerned. Things should open up fairly, uh, should open more this week. Uh, and now that the Bulldogs kind of got the running game going a little bit more, should this be uh, easier for the Bulldogs uh, when their offense faces up against this Nevada defense? I mean, yeah, if you take just about everything I just said and replace the Fresno State and Nevada, just put those, I mean, it's almost an identical matchup on the other side. Um, again, the Bulldogs, we all know how successful they've been on offense with the passing game um, and that the O-line has struggled and that you know, Nevada is, as good as Fresno State has been in pass rush, uh, Nevada is actually the nation's leader in sacks at 4.5 per game. So this is going to be a game where they're really going to be doing their best to um, disrupt things for Hainer in the backfield. And uh, it seems like based off of Fresno State's struggles up front and their successes on the line that 
they should have a pretty good matchup there. It's going to be the one thing that's going to be really tough for the Bulldogs here. Um, you know, we have seen in the past where Nevada, this scheme has given uh, or even coached DeBoer some trouble back in 2018. That was a real grind them out game. It's like 21 to 3. Has a lot of the same, I mean, basically the same coaching staff and the same schemes here that Nevada's running. So uh, between that, between the um, the pass rush, uh, it could be some challenges for Fresno State. Um, also, you know, as good as the Bulldogs are statistically on the season passing the ball, it's been a little while since we've seen it when you look at Wyoming and the bye week and even the Hawaii game wasn't up to what we've seen in the past. So uh, the Bulldogs do need to figure things out pretty quick in the passing game, but ultimately it, it suits up for a, a big day offensively uh, as long as they can avoid any big negative plays in the backfield with uh, the pass rush. That's going to be the thing that could put Fresno State in some long second and third downs or potentially lead to some turnovers. And that's going to kind of be the, the make or break, I think, because as little as we've seen passing-wise uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think the Bulldogs will get it going here, and uh, we can see two really big passing days for, for both teams, really, by the time it's over. Yeah, it, uh, it should be fun. I kind of like passing games anyway, so <laughs> it'll be fun to watch. Uh, like like I've mentioned before, I do not like defensive games. Defensive games drive me nuts. I, I love watching the game flow a lot quicker. And so, uh, but this one should definitely kind of fall into that category, offense versus offense, and and see, you know, who comes out on top. Hopefully, Fresno State's defense is um, better than Nevada's. <laughs> so, uh, that will be fun to watch. Now, things coming back to Fresno again, it, you know, after the Bulldogs have been away, um, what, can we say like a month now? since they've been back to Bulldog Stadium, Jackson? Um, yeah, I mean, just about. It's it, been th- two road games in a bye week. And so if you're talking about 29 days since the Bulldogs had that Friday home game against UNLV. Uh, it should help the Bulldogs kind of like, you know, thank God we're home again. <laughs> I mean, they've been on a very long <laughs> road trip here for a while. Um, so th- hopefully that will help the Bulldogs kind of start to settle back in again after having a, a rough a rough go of it uh, these last uh, few weeks and 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 help things kind of get settled back in uh, in front of the, the home crowd. So, um, you know, things are going to be interesting during this game. I mean, you've got uh, not only the game going on, but you've got the retire, uh, retirement of uh, Lorenzo Neal's jersey going on. And I know you're going to be covering some of that news today. What's what's going on there in that aspect, Jackson? Yeah, um, uh, Neil's going to be talking with the team on Friday. They're going to celebrate him a little bit in the locker room. And then uh, Saturday at halftime, they'll do the full ceremony. So that'll be uh, really neat. I know um, Neil's been around the program a little bit lately. Um, even last year, Coach DeBoer had brought him in to talk with the team and give him a pep talk when things were, were tough with all the pandemic and everything going on. So, um that's going to be a, a real chance to celebrate one of the Bulldogs' most the productive players at uh, Fresno State and uh, put that eighth name up on the, the press box there in Bulldog Stadium. And it should be a, an exciting moment. It should be a, a really good game atmosphere as well because, as you mentioned, it's not just been uh, so long since there's been a home game, but it's also been a long time since there's been one at Bulldog Stadium with these kind of stakes. I mean, the last three games, 
the Bulldogs were favored by about four touchdowns in each of them. The UNLV game got a little, uh, a little exciting, but not in a, really a good way for, for Fresno State in a lot of ways uh, a couple of weeks back. But, um, I mean, you talked about three games where the Bulldogs were supposed to win in blowouts uh, last year. Of course, no fans. And even back in 2019, there were some big games, Minnesota and the, the, quite a few of the conference games. But ultimately, uh, Bulldogs weren't a winning team and they don't get remembered too much in the, the memory bank as far as a, a season that we'd like to forget. So, I mean, this is going to be one of the biggest games in Bulldog Stadium in about three or four years uh, back to the 2018 season. And uh, I think you'll see a, a red wave that um, really <laughs> enjoys the, the type of game that it's going to be. It should be back and forth, a lot of cheering, a lot of momentum swings. Fresno State favored by uh, about four, I believe, right now. So uh, it's anticipated to be a close one, and it's going to be one where uh, fans and the team will need to be engaged from start to finish, and we'll have that nice ceremony in between <laughs> to, to catch your breath and celebrate Lorenzo Neal. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's going to be it. It'll be nice to f- uh, finally actually get to retire his jersey. I know this has been thrown ar- around for quite some time now, and they're finally going to go ahead and do it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm happy for him and I'm glad that the university is, uh, finally doing that for Lorenzo Neal. Now, Jackson switching gears this past week, the mountain West was turned on its head again. (laughs) (laughs) Just when you think we're starting to kind of figure this out, more wrenches keep getting thrown in there. Right, Jackson. Um, I mean, let's start off with. Uh, the game between San Diego State and San Jose State, where we thought that you know San Diego State is going to be a clear winner, and San Jose takes it into overtime, <laughs> and 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 win- San Diego wins nineteen to thirteen. A little bit of a head scratcher for you, Jackson. W- what do you think on that one? Yeah, so I, I was there covering that one for twenty four seven Sports, and so I got to see that one up close and personal, and. Um, the way that that game flowed, I mean, you had two teams that could not really pass the ball too well, and that was kind of anticipated, but both defenses were able to really lock in and stop the run, too, and it became a game of field goals, 6-6 uh, six to six in regulation. And the thing that, um, I mean, really, San Jose State had quite a few miscues. They had a lot of penalties. Um, they had one that uh, turned a, a San Diego State punt into a field goal, which really became a difference in the game. The Spartans had a touchdown that got um, rescinded due to a penalty. Um, it was really just a game of field position and and uh, just <laughs> trying to squeeze out some points. And that, that the thing that surprised me was that San Diego State. I think their worst game up to that point was 28 points. They've had a lot of 30s and 40s even though they haven't been able to pass the ball very well. And I was scratching my head how that was going to continue. So I think San Jose State showed that you have the, the players and uh, the scheme. You can really lock down that running game and, and really put a stop to the Aztecs offense. But uh, Spartans weren't able to take advantage on offense. And um, it will be interesting because uh, San Diego State did bring in their backup quarterback late in the game. He completed two passes. They were both touchdowns. So perhaps they will have a little more confidence in the passing game going forward. But uh, I, I do think that game leaves you 
uh, a little skeptical that San Diego State's going to be able to, to run the table based off the way that they play and the deficiencies they have on offense. And it makes you worry a little more about San Jose State because they weren't looking so hot the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so it is definitely just when you think you're starting to figure things out, it it throws a wrench into things because not only did that one kind of look uh, strange, but then you've got Air Force and Boise State, and Air Force gets on the blue turf and comes away with a win, Jackson. Now, that's multiple times this season Boise State has lost on their home turf. Has that mystique finally disappeared for Boise? Yeah, I believe that's their third straight home loss now this season. I mean, that's just <laughs> unheard of as far as recent history goes. So uh, there's definitely, it does feel like a little bit of that. You know, they're breaking a new coach, and uh, that's probably got something to do with it and that transition there. So we'll see if uh, they trend back towards what they've been in the past or if it's uh, going the other way, as it appears to be this season. Um, but all those games have been pretty close, and they, uh, you do worry about them, whether you're lining up against them at home or on the road moving forward, which Fresno State will get them in Bulldog Stadium in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, I mean, that certainly took a shot to their conference championship hopes. You've got Air Force now uh, with one loss and uh, feeling pretty good about where they stand. Uh, Colorado State is yet to lose, so the, the Broncos do need a lot of things to go their way uh, going on from here, which is certainly not where they're usually at at this time of the year. Yeah, definitely. This thing, this is now going to start opening up uh, some opportunities for different teams. I mean, you've got Colorado State leading the conference uh, with you know two wins uh, and no losses in the conference. However, their overall record is three and three, and then you have Air Force at three and one conference wise, and their overall record is six and one. <laughs> Make any sense there, Jackson? <laughs> um, but. Uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, I think Air Force is in the driver's seat at this point, unless Colorado can run the table and win that division, even though they have a worse record than Air Force, uh, which can happen, but I don't foresee that happening. Um, uh, either one of these two will be a tough matchup for whoever is coming out of the West division, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, Air Force is always a, a thorn when <laughs> you have to play them with the way that they run their triple option offense and how out of the norm it is for teams on a weekly basis. And then Colorado State has been, uh, I anticipate that they'll be tripped up here pretty soon. I mean, they got a San Jose State team two weeks ago that really was not playing very good football and they beat New Mexico last week. So the tougher games will be on the horizon for them. But um, they are a, a physical smash-mouth team. They've been able to pass well enough to balance it out, and um, they've they definitely got some things going for them, much more than I anticipated going into the year. Now, the other team that has a shot uh, out of the Mountain Division is Utah State, and Utah State last week came away with a win against UNLV just barely. Again, UNLV keeping these games tight, however, are still winless on the season. Um, I, is is the time going to come finally for UNLV uh, uh, going into a matchup against San Jose State, Jackson? Do you think UNLV is going to give San Jose State some some issues? Yeah, that's a, a, an odd game because now you've got the defending Mountain West champion. I think they're only 
five-point favorite, four-point favorites against this winless UNLV team. So, <laughs> I mean, all expectations are that the Rebels are going to give them a game for sure, the way that they've given you know, Fresno State and now UTSA, who's nationally ranked, um, you know, Utah State, who is uh, four and two on the season. I mean, they were, uh, they've been a really challenging team the last three weeks. And as long as they uh, don't get down on themselves for losing too many in a row, it seems like they're going to be able to rise up and catch someone eventually. Uh, this one's going to be a, probably a, an ugly game because we've got San Jose State on back-to-back short weeks, which is pretty rare, playing a Friday and then a Thursday. And then you've got UNLV, who is playing on five days' notice from Saturday to Thursday. So uh, there could be two teams that are uh, pretty tired and uh, underprepared going into this one. And then you've got Colorado State taking on Utah. Uh, winner of this one will help uh... – you know, catapult them to the top of the West of the mountain division. Good matchup here. Uh, you know, finally Colorado state is going to take on someone that, uh, that has, you know, a better record, uh, to, to give them a challenge here in the mountain division. Do you see that one kind of, uh, being fairly even, uh, matchup? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, both of these teams have been, Pretty inconsistent. Um, Utah State has looked very good in most of their wins. They also did not come close to beating Boise State or BYU, suggesting that you know, there's a, a pretty big talent gap there. They did go to Air Force and win earlier this year, as well as Washington State. So I mean, it's kind of been hit or miss with them. And then Colorado State's in a similar story. They started off just terrible, um, losing games against uh, South Dakota State, even in FCS school. And losing to a really bad Vanderbilt team, and then beating Toledo and giving a top-10 Iowa team a pretty competitive game and now winning two conference games. So they've been a little bit on a roll lately, but again, another team that's kind of tough to predict so far this year. So this one could really go either way. Uh, The Rams are favored by about three on the road, so uh, we'll see if they can keep their undefeated conference streak alive. Now, as far as the Mountain uh, Mountain West Conference is concerned, probably the matchup of the week is going to be San Diego State versus Air Force. Uh, and this one's going to be played on Air Force's home turf. A uh, good matchup here. Uh, the top two teams of the Mountain West uh, facing each other uh, here. And uh, Great matchup, Jackson, or do you think this one is going to be a very difficult one for San Diego State to stop that that uh, that type of offense that Air Force loves to run and I hate to watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to have two teams that want to run the ball as much as possible, and uh, that's really all this game's going to come down to. And uh, if you've got five teams in the West Division cheering for Air Force, I'm sure, and five teams in the Mountain Division cheering for San Diego State, Whoever's going to lose that game is going to really help the rest of their divisional rivals in the standings, since um, both of them are at or near the top of their respective divisions. And if you look at the West, if Fresno State can beat Nevada and if San Diego State falls, you're going to have a whole bunch of one-loss teams tied for first with uh, still a lot of stuff to be decided uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, it could get real interesting. And um, even if the Aztecs win, uh, then the if the Bulldogs can take care of business on Saturday, they'll be going down to Carson to play the Aztecs with the chance to uh, take that divisional lead from them. Yeah, so this one, definitely all eyes are going to be on this game um, with uh, Fresno State. Uh, you know, 
in one aspect, you'd like to see Fresno State take on a ranked San Diego State team. Uh, but in another aspect, they need the help to catapult themselves back to the top for a Mountain West championship. So uh, a San Diego State loss here would really help their cause. Um, and But at the same time, an Air Force loss would also help their cause for home field advantage for a Mountain West title game. So it's a double-edged sword, right, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it seems like whoever wins the West may take a, a loss between now and the end of the season. And, uh, I mean, when you've got Fresno State, Nevada, San Diego State, all going to be playing each other here in the coming weeks obviously someone's going to have to lose those games and um, unless someone really runs the table from here on out uh, it may be tough to host that game if uh, an Air Force or a Colorado State goes on a long winning streak here so it's kind of up in the air for divisions and for home field at this point and it's probably going to come down to uh, computer rankings to decide who hosts unless uh, San Diego State wins out yeah, so this uh, the Mountain West is is going to continue to be shaken up a little bit in this uh, grand landscape of things in college football where uh, this season it does not seem that there's any surprises whatsoever. Things are just happening left and right. Uh, although, Jackson, this past week, what was your biggest um, upset in your mind uh, in college football uh, out of anybody across the nation? Um, you know, Iowa losing, I mean, it, it seems kind of on par with what happens in the Big Ten, but just the fact that they lose to an unranked Purdue team and that uh, Cincinnati jumps up to number two in the polls, <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, not a particular result, but the fact that the Bearcats have, I think they're deserving, but I wasn't sure if they would get the credit from the national pollsters as a non-Power 5 school, so, I mean, it's pretty amazing to see them at number two, and if Georgia trips up somewhere, they could be number one. I mean, it's pretty, pretty wild. But um, it's been the year that it's been in college football where it's been even more difficult to stay undefeated this year than most seasons. And, I mean, just about every week there's been a ton of upsets except for just about three, four, five teams that have been able to, to avoid it so far. And I'm sure that won't last long either. Yeah, things are a little crazy, and like we've mentioned before, I think it's been a, a little bit of a struggle to kind of really rank these teams properly um, because of the past season, what the what we had going on, and so now it's kind of like shaking off the rust, trying to figure out who is really uh, deserving of rankings, and... <laughs> It just seems like one team after another just keeps falling. Uh, I don't honestly, it's kind of entertaining to watch, but at the same time, it's kind of like, wow, you know, who really is supposed to be ranked at what position, right, Jackson? It's kind of kind of makes things a little bit more interesting trying to guess who's who. Yeah, and I think the probably the super seniors and some of the transfer portal too have made parity you know, as big as it's been as of late. I mean, you look at Fresno State alone as an example. I mean, you've got Aaron Mosby starting at defensive end and Kwame Jones playing a lot of defensive end. And that's one of the best, uh, paired with David Prowess, one of the best defensive end lineups Fresno State's had. And two of those three guys wouldn't be here had it not been for the waiver to have an extra season. So you're talking about both talent and depth that a lot of teams that normally wouldn't have it even at the, the group of five level 
Um, and it's not just Fresno State. I mean, a lot of the Mountain West teams are in much better shape this year than they normally are. And we'll see that continue to ripple for a few more years. And we'll see if the, uh, the transfer portal can kind of ease the transition back to normal eligibility once this uh, COVID waiver expires for the players that were involved with the 2020 season. Yeah, things will definitely start to kind of shake out here in the next uh, couple of seasons. And we'll see how uh, this is going to continue to affect everyone. Now, Jackson, before we wrap up things, uh, any final words uh, before we close things up here? Yeah, we're getting ready for uh, this big game here. And, of course, with three home games left, uh, Fresno State's going to be having a lot of recruits on campus for these Saturdays. So that'll be a big focus of ours on the premium side of the the barkboard.com. And um, we'll be covering as close as we can. And as mentioned, basketball media days is today, so that's right around the corner. Um, Orlando Robinson was named um, preseason all-conference for the Mountain West and so there's uh, definitely a a star player to rally behind for Christmas State this season and we'll see if they can kind of get over that hump on the men's side um, where they uh, are picked in a 6 out of 11 right in the middle right where they were last year they can kind of get over that hump and get a couple more wins against the top half of the conference they could really be a contender there and then you've got the women's Team who was favored to win the whole thing. So, um, a big uh, second half of the football season still coming our way, as well as a full basketball season to, to get ready for, too. Absolutely. And uh, we'll keep things rolling here um, throughout the season. So, continue to check back with us as we continue the ongoing coverage. Uh, with that being said, if you want to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page and become a part of that community as well. Just look up thebarkboard.com and you should be able to give it a like. And as always, head over to thebarkboard.com and uh, be a part of our community there, uh, both on the uh, forums. We have a free and a premium forum. Of course, the premium one is the one you want to be a part of. Uh, That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.